Welcome to After Further Review, Mark Ver, John Pelkey, a cocktail hour edition. Uh, this is episode number 116. Yes, I've got one as well. It's uh, just a nice scotch, both Johnny and I. Jeff Taylor is our producer. He's the one that has to stay sober, although we don't know <laughs> what he's drinking right now. We have no idea what's in that cup. Uh, but we are now going into uh, another deep dive, folks. It's been a long time since our last deep dive, and our last deep dive was on 1968. Johnny did one in 1941. So yeah. I'm going to do another year one. That seems to work pretty well. We're going to do 1972, and we're going to break it down into three parts. It's a three-part series. Goodness gracious. Try and be like other podcasts and have Softly three three-part three series. Yes, it is. This mm-hmm. is January through April. The next one will be May through August, and the final one will be September through December, which is quite eventful as well, but it's all eventful. Uh, So anyway, before we get going with 1972, Jeff, how are you, sir? I know this is an odd hour for you, and you have, uh, you know, your your family isn't used to this hour yet. you doing a podcast so i, I apologize for that. I, to- I told you before it literally is just a series of unfortunate events she my my three-year-old uh we let her stay up monday night to watch the caps lose to the bruins and then uh yesterday she didn't take a nap very well and so she's just in a weird mood she's a woman i know she's a little tiny one but wow. she's a woman you know her moods are, yeah. are subject to change Sure, sure. And it, and it's tough to bounce back. You know, it's like as you get older, it's tough to bounce back from a, from a late night when you're when you're young, it's tough to bounce back. You know, there's that sweet spot between, you know, 15 and 45. where You can do anything you want. And then, you know, she's she's just getting used to it. Right. Did you say 15 there's or 45? <laughs> I'm hoping not, because what? at the end of this year, I'll be under the, the I just I just threw that out there. Wow. Because I, I just say. There's a fine level, fine line that? between Gerber and geriatric. It's not just the first three letters that match. Yeah, yeah. If, if now, if you're saying like when you can just like not get enough sleep and just burn the candle at both ends, I'm thinking 15. Yeah, and like yes. 32. But for me, that's about it. was about a 17 year <laughs> squaff. Because after that, uh, you know, now I don't know. I treated my body like a rodeo, and uh, you know, maybe you were. You know, because we we know you're kind of Northern California effete. There wasn't sure. a lot of um, you know. No, not my hands you know, are you know. Your hands are soft and count money your whole life, right? You never really done any physical labor. Not um, at all. Not you, at all. You don't really know how to do much. No, you know? not at all. Real not um, handy on on any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's I just uh, so maybe you, you know maybe all that energy to. was saved, if you will. You know what yeah. I mean? Now let me ask you: If you had to, Mark, yeah, could you? change the battery in your car yeah i think i could okay i've seen it done enough (laughs) we're gonna make this a reality at some point you're gonna go mark's gonna go out and he's gonna go oh i better get to that over there at a a private school before they before they beat a poor because i'm late and then luckily i can walk there i can walk there in about 12 minutes all right well it'll be another it'll be another reason why yeah, but, no, uh, I, I, I think I could probably figure that out. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bad. I'm pretty bad. Yeah, there's yeah, YouTube. There's always yeah, YouTube. Right, you can YouTube it. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> really don't. That's so you point. literally don't have to know anything anymore. No, you don't. No, no. I mean, how do you think I did the deep dive? <laughs> it's a good point. I, but... I knew a lot about 1972, but it's really about where to dig in whatever research you're you're doing right. and how to cross reference. That's really. 
the only sort of uh, experience I bring to the table in terms of researching, being able to cross-reference something with something else happening either yeah. at the same time or thematically happening uh, um, in, in terms of the same direction. Right. And so that's that kind of, for me at least, is interesting. But yeah, it's, you know, it's... And for the years, and this is how I find once when you're doing a deep dive for a year, you know, I picked 1941 because that was Ted Williams hitting 406. That was uh, DiMaggio's hitting streak. So there were, there was like an event in that year that was something that was spectacular. And I think for 72, and we, we, I mean, we've talked about this year, the Dolphins were undefeated. There was an Olympics there with a lot going on. So th those just huge things where if you, you choose like 1974, is a little more, you know, it, it's just a, you have to go wider because the depth isn't really there. So this one, yeah. you could literally spend all your time on the, on the fins. Um, yes. Yes. The Olympics. Yeah. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah. That's a four part episode right there. The Olympics, yeah, just exactly. the summer Olympics. Oh, by the way. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of uh, amazing things and, and what it really what it really showed me, and I really wasn't sure what the through line would be for 1972. What's the theme? What's, what's going to carry me through all this? And I and I start looking at all the different things we're going to talk about, and it's really a year of firsts. Okay, it's, it's really a year of firsts. It's it's uh it's remarkable. It's right. uh it it's amazing. It's 1972, and it's this year of firsts. And I have a list right here, you know, in terms of uh, NCAA integration. Uh, America's team experienced a first for them. Winning streaks were were remarkable this in this uh, particular year. Labor yep. strife oh, experienced yeah. first, first first ever where there was a loss of you know games or something in this. That's right. There's yeah. an MVP trifecta in this year, which has okay. never happened before. Wow. Marathons exhibited a a first this year. Media coverage had their first. There were Open Championship firsts in multiple sports. And obviously, we know about Olympic heights, a lot of firsts there, a lot of firsts there, and of course, Olympic depths. And there were Cold War challenges as well. Uh, and we know about some of the obvious ones with the Olympics, but there were others yeah. as well that involved first. So really, it is a year of first, Johnny. And I never really, I never really uh, figured that out. You know, well, you I know, never... I, I've always said for me, it, it makes it, it for me that doesn't that's not even a surprising thing, because for me, 1972, I was eight. I turned eight in July of 1972. And I always tell you the very first Super Bowl I remember at all anything about. And I was watching a broadcast of it today in preparation for this show. So clearly I've done more work than you have um, uh, it was in January of 72, Super Bowl six. I remember um Around that, yeah. hearing Six. a lot, you know, Roger yeah. Staubach in I grew up in a in Washington, D.C., military folks everywhere. Annapolis isn't far away. So, you know, he was he was a hero, even though he went to play for the Cowboys. So, you know, Staubach starting a Super Bowl game was a big deal. And then you had the uh, uh, and then you had the, the upstart Dolphins, Don Shula. There were a lot of great stories for that Super Bowl. And so that's really the year that I glommed on to professional sports, football being my first. But I also uh, remember slightly the Orioles and the and the um, Pirates in the 71 World Series. So then by 72, now I'm interested in the whole baseball season. So, yeah, it was my first my first year I played uh, organized football, uh, which I did all the way through high school. So, yeah, I, I get it first. Now, you yeah. 
you were 12, right? You turned I was 12, 11, most, 11 of, for the most year. of the year. So um, I had really had, uh, it was really kind of my third year. Yeah, so you're uh, really. knee deep in it now. You know, you statistics and things. Now, for me, I'm it's starting just to lock the, in, yeah. the aesthetics of the sport were fun. And, you know, I'd watch a little football and then we'd head out to play, you know, because that was fresh in my mind. Um, and but for you now, you you probably got some baseball cards, you know, some statistics. You so yeah, you're you're knee deep in the hoopla. To I really am, your least favorite in the song ever, uh, for sure, at this point. But uh, to really outline all the different firsts that happens, it was it was really remarkable. I came across that idea, maybe that's a theme, and then I started checking off every topic we're going to get into, and sure enough, somewhere in there. There's a a first, and sometimes Johnny, it's a first and only, which okay. is pretty neat that that can still be the case 48 years later. So let's get into this a little bit. We'll start at the top of the year, January one, with the Orange Bowl. It's Alabama and Nebraska, and I'm telling you, Nebraska, of course, has Johnny Rogers, who would win the Heisman the next year. Uh, Nebraska beats Alabama 38 to six, and and they're they're number one. Alabama was number two going in uh, with Alabama. This is the first first we can talk about. Now, Taylor said this earlier. She said this is the first January 1st of 1972. I said there's actually 366 days that are firsts. If you think about it that way, it was a leap year. Mm. But uh, Alabama, do you realize this, Johnny? All the stuff we've heard about Bear Bryant, this was actually the first year. 71-72 is when he actually started having any of his African-American players right. see any playing time at all. Yeah, I there was. Yeah, um, I, I'm fairly familiar. There's a great documentary about um, Bear Bryant arranging a game with USC and his good friend John McVay um, to come play in Alabama. And they had not traditionally invited integrated teams for a very long time. Now, I think they'd gotten past that, but they still didn't have any players uh, on their varsity squad. I think they might have had a couple of practice players who had uh, walked onto the team. But in any case, um, USC just ran all over. Sam Cunningham, who I remember very, very well from USC, I'm sure you do as well, ran all over them. And that was, many people say, the Bear did that to uh, put the pressure on those forces in Alabama that wouldn't allow him to integrate by saying, we need the best athletes regardless of their race. And Alabama again, be, did, uh, did do that. I believe it was a, uh, the very first uh, Alabama varsity football crap. I, I, I knew his name in any case, I've, I've forgotten it up to this point, but it is, it's, it's an interesting story and it's, it's a deep dive for another day, frankly. I could get it, into that. It is. Time. And to your point, I always thought sort of Bear Bryant was ahead of the curve. And I, I I guess he was. This is not necessarily saying he wasn't, but it had to it had to be in the decade of the 70s, for yeah. crying out loud, before they saw any playing time. They may have been on the team, may have been on the roster, but before they saw any playing time was 71, 72. They they trash him 38 to 6. Johnny Rogers has this phenomenal punt return yeah. uh, of about 73 yards. And uh, this is Bob Devaney, who's coaching the Cornhuskers. They had gone undefeated. They had won 20 in a row. Every game they played that year, they won by 24 points or more. It was one of the most dominant college football uh, squads ever, with the exception of one game when they played Oklahoma back in Thanksgiving in 1971. Right. They called it the game of the century. One of many. I, <laughs> one of many games of the centuries. 
but this one truly was because it was one and two at the time. And Oklahoma actually gave him a game. It was 35 to 31. Do you remember who was coaching that Oklahoma team, Johnny? Back um, in 71, 72? Uh, oh, crap. It was just before. Future Barry. coach of the New England Patriots. Uh, yeah, it was Chuck Fairbanks. Did I lose you? Uh, I lost you at the second. So we oh. probably lost each other. Yes, what'd you Chuck, say? Chuck Fairbanks. You got it. Nice yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fairbanks. And it, it it's so funny because uh, this was really a game of the century in Great the sense game. that it's it's one and two, right? Yeah. Nebraska's dominating every uh, everyone they play. So is Oklahoma. Nebraska has the number one uh, defense in the land. I know the rest guess, of this. And guess who has the number one offense is in the Oklahoma. Land. And and you know what it was? What was their setup? What did they do when that when they ran the ball? What was their formation? Wishbone. Wishbone. That's absolutely right. You know what they did? They averaged 472 yards a game. Yeah, it was rushing. It, it, yeah, rushing. it was insane. It was yes. insane. In fact, uh, Bear Bryant, you know, back to Bear Bryant. Uh, after this, he came to his coaches and said, we have to learn to run triple option because that's the future of football, which it was in the early 70s. And isn't it interesting, yeah. Mark, how there are no new things under the sun, how we see in professional football now, uh, something that had been disdained for a long time was that, hey, you know, run pass option stuff and option that that kind of works. Basically, you're not to the extent the colleges did back then. But this is it's it's nothing new. It's just rehashing something defenses haven't seen. You know, none of the defensive coordinators now were born when this stuff started. Exactly. I can remember in 1986 and this is in 86. So this is another 10 years, you know, past its peak, 15 years past its peak, really. Uh, um, uh, 87, actually, this is the second strike season in the National Football League. And mm-hmm. they're playing with replacement players mm-hmm. and the 49ers are playing the Giants and Walsh sets up in a wishbone. Mm-hmm. And you saw on the sideline. Bill Parcells kind of looking at his coaches going, what? And then you see Bill Walsh going, ah, sorry. I'm just trying to do what I'm trying to do here. Right. And it's hey, by the way, Bill Parcells used to be the head coach at Air Force. And my God, nobody ran the wishbone better than Air Force. So he should have been Fisher to Barry, put that back in at Air Force. So I guess Bill didn't have enough time to watch a lot of college football when he was coaching. But uh, no, that was, you know, again, probably why my fondness for college football, it started, I started watching it at that time. And that's why, you know, Mark, even though I was a former uh, horrible high school wide receiver, I literally may have been the worst high school football player in America uh-huh. um, who, who, who with all of his limbs. Um, I, uh, I, I have a love for, uh, I oh, love, love for the running game. You really love the running game. Probably because I didn't want him throwing the ball anywhere near me. Because I was afraid then, then I have to catch, I was Chris Pratt in Moneyball where he's playing Scott Hatterberg and he says, what is it uh, that uh, David Justice says to him? Because, well, what's your, your, you know, how are you doing? Well, you know, kind of nervous. What's your general fear? And he's like, having the ball anywhere coming in my direction. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that was kind of me as a wide receiver. Hand the ball to somebody else. So perhaps that's the reason. So at yeah, any why. rate, I think you loved it. You loved the running game. You loved the low-scoring football games. Absolutely. Uh, you loved all that. And uh, and and as the as the year progresses, that that's going to you know that's going to probably, on some level, you're going to be happy with how the NFL is going. You're going to be happy with how college football is going. You know, as a rule, mm-hmm. I think you're pretty happy about that. So what happens coming up January third is the championship games in the National Football League, and in those championship games, 
the Dallas Cowboys beat the San Francisco 49ers. The Dolphins beat the Baltimore Colts. Uh, the funny story about this is that um, is that <laughs> you know this is the second year I'm really getting into the 49ers, and yeah. they make the championship game. They beat the Redskins in that division game to get there. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. uh, Gene Washington had a touchdown. Uh, uh, a, a great touchdown catch at Candlestick Park against the Redskins in the divisional round. And I was so excited. And it's January 2nd is this game, January 2nd. And I run into my parents' bedroom in the morning before it starts, and I'm just shaking my dad, saying, hey, it's the championship game. Hey, it's the champ." And I'm thinking to myself, Sky is raising four kids. You know, he's he's like a vice principal. He's working his ass off. Yeah. You know, this is his, a few days he has left. He probably partied hard on New Year's Eve, still probably recovering. And here's his kid just shaking him and waking right. him up at 7 in the morning. It's dad, Dad, so come on. Come on. I got a feeling we're not going to score a touchdown in this game. Oh, my God. I got a feeling it's just a field goal for us. And, you know, you probably should put some money on that. And they didn't. It was 14-3. to three. They didn't score. And uh, the, the Dolphins beat the Colts 21 nothing. So the losing teams in both championship games yeah. did not score a touchdown. But yeah. – and and ironically, neither did the Dolphins in the Super Bowl. Yeah. They only got three points. Dallas defeats him in the Super Bowl. Roger Staubach is the MVP. But the first with this one, Johnny, is that Dallas got over the hump. Yeah. Dallas finally won the big one. They had not won the big one, and they had really been tagged, yeah. and I think appropriately so, frankly, yeah. with not being able to to win the big game, kind of choking in the big games. Wait, starting from 1966 on. Right. 66 and 67, they had opportunity to go to a Super Bowl one, Super Bowl two, and they lost them both, one at home and one in the famous Ice Bowl. Um, but, it, yeah, they were. It's interesting because uh, with this loss, Shula now becomes a two-time <laughs> loser, too. And uh, he with was two teams. obviously known for coaching, you know, the biggest upset in Super Bowl history. So I guess something had to give. Uh, yeah. in that right. situation. Yeah, no, I mean, he he was the losing coach in the biggest upset in Super Bowl history, yep. uh, Shula, and now he, he goes to another team and loses as well, 24-3. to What's interesting about this, we know about 67-66 for the Packers and the Cowboys, and you kind of go, okay, it's, it's in Lambeau. You know, the Ice Bowl is one of them. You, you get it. The Cowboys are just, you know, starting to emerge from expansion. The, the Packers are the Packers, for crying mm-hmm. out loud. But 1968 rolls around, and all we remember in the uh, in the National Football League, not we're not talking about the Jets, but the NFL. All we remember in '68 are the Colts, right? Thirteen and one, just running through everyone to get yep. to the to the Super Bowl. But we we forget, and I know I forgot that the Cowboys were 12 and two. Okay, mm-hmm. and their differential, uh, they had 245 points point differential. That 17 and a half points a game is their average. Uh, margin, margin of, victory. of victory, and it's barely less than the Baltimore Colts. So they're twelve and two. The Colts are thirteen and one. Everyone expects that to be the championship game to see who gets into Super Bowl three, and they lose the they lose the first game. Don Meredith throws three interceptions in his first nine attempts. Right is benched. Craig Morton comes in there, throws another. They lose three more via the fumble. They they have seven turnovers. They just choke. And then the next year, they're 11-2-1. And, 
and they lose to Cleveland again in the divisional yeah. round. Yeah. Now, now, granted, you know, both those years, you know, Baltimore first and then Minnesota were more dominant, but barely. But you really had this idea with the with the Cowboys that they yeah. couldn't quite do it. And then 70, they finally get there and uh, they lose the Super Bowl then. So this is a first. This is yet one more first. The Cowboys finally win their first Super Bowl, finally get over the hump. Tom Landry is not a total clam anymore, <laughs> and and they're on their way to becoming America's team. I mean, that's pretty much right. the case. And by and then they're also on their way to being the only NFC team to win a uh, to win a World's Championship in the 1970s. This starts a long run of domination for uh, for the AFC with back to back Miami wins. Um, yep. back to back, back to back Steeler wins of uh, the Oakland Raiders, Raiders then yep. back to the Steelers. And then you get the only thing in between there was in 77, you get the Cowboys again. And we talked on the show previously about uh, the aforementioned Craig Morton, who, by the way, it should be mentioned during this. Uh, we're, now we're talking more about 71 than we should, but this was the season where we talked about it, where at one point they were rotating quarterbacks by play early in this season, yeah. Uh, yeah, in the exactly. 71 season. Yeah. Um, all and, in all, isn't that um, ironic, John, that the, yeah. the season that had the most Sturm and Drong yeah. is the one they ended up winning a, a championship with? You know, the previous season, they're tw- they're just blowing through the opposition. Right. And, right. And, this- and you know, and it, it's interesting because I, I do want to jump back to your championship, uh, your NFC championship game for a right. minute. The 49er defense played really well in that game. For sure. Me. I mean, there's a yeah. the, uh, the interception by George Andre, which is like the biggest play in that game, gives yeah. the gives the Cowboys the football, I think, like the two. Uh, no, it so, is. It's it's John they, Brody just, you know. Right. But they, they, chased, they chased Roger Staubach around a lot. They, they put him on his butt a couple of times or more. Yeah, but it, they chased uh, him around on third down, and yep. it was and he usually, but of course, but usually again, got it. The interesting thing about this is the reason that the quarterback controversy happened for so long in Dallas is that everybody says Craig Morton was an extension of Tom Landry because Tom Landry was the very buttoned up, you know, run the system. We're going to do it our way. And Staubach was anything but. I mean, improvisation was the key to Staubach's game. Um, and they couldn't get over the hump until Tom uh, Landry could surrender some of that, which he really wanted to do. And I, wow. I just want to bring it up to today and say, what was the discussion about Bruce Arians and Tom Brady for half of this season was, you know, Bruce Arians trying to put a square peg through a round hole. And now they've found something. So there you go. There's my tie in to Super Bowl 55. I like it. Outstanding work out of you. This. All right. So I could talk about this playoff season all day long. It's incredibly interesting to me. But, but I we, agree. We need to move on. No, I agree. It's and it's a bad Super Bowl game. It is a bad game. It's one of the it worst. So it's, interesting. The the season is fascinating. Seventy one really could be another year we dive into as well at some point in time. But lots going on there. This is seventy two. This is the NFL in seventy two, and we've covered the championship games. We covered the Super Bowl. So now we're going to stay in January, however, Johnny, mm-hmm. and go back to January seventh, and uh, we're going to switch sports. We're going to go to the National Basketball Association. We're on that day, uh, the uh, January seventh. The Los Angeles Lakers won their thirty third consecutive game. This seventy one seventy two team was nuts. There's Will Chamberlain. There's Jerry West. This is Bill Sharman was the coach. Gail Elgin Goodrich Baylor. was on that team. Uh, unbelievable. And it's yeah. interesting because Elgin Hayes, I believe, is the guy. Elvin who, Hayes. 
Elvin Hayes retired. Well, did, oh no, okay, I think saying somebody different. I'm thinking former Washington Bullet Elvin Hayes. That's not who it is. No, so maybe it was Baylor then that that kind of backed off, and Jim McMillan got more of the the time because he was he was uh, basically ready to retire. Baylor was, mm-hmm. and so Jim McMillan gets a little bit more time. Sharman makes. Uh, Chamberlain, the uh, captain of the team, which is not normally what he, you know, and they they get these shoot arounds in the morning. Charmin had to go to Chamberlain and ask him, do you want to be the captain, number one? And do you want to get up early in the morning at, for these shoot arounds? And he said, you know, I don't I don't like getting up in the morning, but he decided to do it. And literally since that decision, that was November 5th of 71, 30 Three consecutive games. And do we, you know, this, I think this is one of the most underrated statistics of all time. I, and I think it, 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 part of it, comes it, it, to, it, it we, will never be broken. No. And I think part of it is because we have a tendency to, and boy, I tell you, it's changed for me uh, working for the Raptors now is we'd so devalue the regular season in the national basketball association. Right. You know, when you watch a, uh, like a highlight thing from back then 30 minutes, you know, it's maybe 10 minutes on the regular season and the last 20 minutes are, you know, what happened in the playoffs because it does have, a, an, you know, extended playoff. But I think that's part of it. And I agree with you. 33 wins in a row. It is to wrap your head around it. I mean, you're just going to have a cold shooting night, right? I mean, doesn't that, you know, something no, exactly. happens to prevent. And it's interesting. And we'll get into this later in part two and part three in terms of some of their uh, postseason things. We got most of the uh, most of that happening in, in part one, but not all of it. But they they lost their first game in the Western Conference finals against the Bucks, who, oh, by the way, were in the West back then with a MVP, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Right. And they lost game one to the Knicks in the finals as well. So, yes, that can happen. But, Johnny, you realize since 1972, there's only been two teams in the National Basketball Association that have even gotten halfway there. Mm. And a little bit more than halfway there, but it's like, Let's see. The Celtics won 18 straight in 82. So that's a little bit more than halfway. 18, though. They're still 15 away. Right, right. And then Chicago, in their run, they had, uh, in the year they won 72 ballgames, by the yeah. way. The Lakers won 69 this year. And the, and Chicago actually beat that record in 1996. They ran off 18 as well. So two teams have gotten 18, including right. the 72 win, 96 Chicago it's, Bulls. Again, you wrap your head around what has to happen. You know, you, you have to stay healthy. So, and I don't mean, you know, season ending injury, but guys miss a couple of games with a, you know, with a quad strain or something. Um, so you have to be able to overcome, have either that doesn't happen for almost two months, probably what, but probably more than 10 weeks. Uh, it doesn't happen more than that, 11, 12 weeks. Or you're deep enough to get over that. And again, as I said, Mark, every now and again, you have a bad shooting night. No, seriously. You know what I mean? Like, what? Just, what? No, seriously. It's like, how do you do yeah, this for 33? Yeah. How do you even say that interested? It's nuts. Right? You know, what about what about managed time and all the other stuff they do these days? You know, managing, <laughs> right. you know, making sure making sure Chamberlain and West have enough, you know, have enough juice in the tank for the for the playoffs. It's just nuts. Yeah, so it, it, so do you know what the record was prior? And, of course, it's the only thing that comes close to it. There was a record that was uh, set, you know, roughly 50 years before that. Any idea? That was uh, close. It wasn't It wasn't 33, but it was pretty close. In, in, a, in obviously, in a different sport. 
a different sport. Yeah, baseball. well, it's got to be. I'm thinking 27 Yankees. Even earlier than that. 25? Even earlier, even, no, uh, the 20, previous 20, decade. 8, 1918? 16. 1916. And involved a team with the uh, Christian gentleman at the helm. Oh, New York Giants. New York Giants, 26 in a row. Wow. 20, one of them was a tie. One of them was a tie. So they didn't lose for 20. So it's uh, it's just remarkable to me. That's yeah, just it, it really is. It really. And you're right. It's not discussed. And I really do think it is because, you know, when we think the NBA, we you know, the regular season is just about positioning yourself for the playoffs. And we don't really think of it, it in is. terms of, of that, you know. To be, to be, yeah, it's, it, I can't it's, wrap my head around it. Yeah, you can't, you can't. If, won, if they why, won 32 of 33, I would be just amazed by it. Right. But you know? we can't wrap our head around it, which is why it's so underappreciated right. because we can't even think about it. That's right. the thing. We can't even think about it. All right. In fact, we should just, not be talking about it anymore. Move on. We should. We are going to move on. Me. We're going to stay in January now, but we're oh. going to move on to another sport. And that's the National Hockey League where Bobby Orr, is dominating, and so are the Boston Bruins. How many uh, games did they lose in January of '72? You think, John? Boston. In, I, I'm going to say they they in in the month of January. In the month of say, January, I'm going to say they didn't lose any games. They lost one. They Uh-oh. lost one game in the month of January. Bobby Orr is is on his way to a historic season that we will get to in just a bit. But uh, this is a remarkable run by these guys, and uh, this is a team that no one, you know. Pretty much no one could beat. They were, yeah, no, they were dominant. so dominant. Phil Esposito as well. And um, just just the whole Bobby Orr thing. I mean, just the whole Bobby Orr thing. He's a defenseman, Johnny, and he twice led the league in scoring. Yeah. I mean, no, it was, I don't his, think that's ever happened. No, no. He re, he was one of those guys who redefined the game, the offensive defenseman. I mean, I know it's, it sounds like an oxymoron at this point, but positions were more well-defined before that. And you didn't have people who broke out and did that. It was like the first time, you know, in the NBA, all of a sudden they, you know, you have Magic Johnson, who's a six nine point guard who can, you know, play small forward, big forward. He, he just really kind of transformed what, what people thought was possible, changed the game. There's this great, uh, uh, story about him last year with the Bruins he, and he's banged his knees are shot right this guy's career ended well I mean it it, it was double digit length so in hockey those days to last that long it's probably oh, sure. yeah is and he started pretty young but he was he was still pretty young but his knees were shot uh and and Boston had, was making one final gas this is like against the the uh the Flyers and the Flyers are now the the big dog in town. So this is 74, 75 ish. And it's game six to tie the series, right? Game six. And um, it's uh, there's a, uh, an empty, you know, they, they're playing, it's an empty net mm-hmm. and he is able to block a shot into the empty net. All right. With, with his, uh, with his leg gets the puck and is able to go the length of the ice and do a slap shot and it would, and it was literally two seconds left in the game. And it was like a half an inch hit the post half an inch from going in. I mean, it's that kind of thing that Bobby Orr could do. He could be a great defenseman and a great scorer at the same time. Right. Anyway, Boston's having a great time. They only lose one game in January. And, uh, and then, uh, and as a matter of fact, January 25th happens, the NHL all-star game happens and Bobby Orr, 
is the is the MVP in world events in January. We, we can't ignore that, Johnny. No, we shouldn't. Sports is designed to keep our mind away. And frankly, for one of the first times ever, sports actually brought the world into everything later on in the year in a very tragic way. We'll get mm. into that. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. But uh, on January 25th, this is, uh, this is pretty neat. Shirley Chisholm, who is the only black, con- the first black congressperson, oh, by the way, is the, then the first black, first African-American uh, woman to announce ca- her candidacy. And she announces her candidacy in 1972. And this is uh, one of her one of her quotes. Just a great, great lady. Highly historical. Oh, yeah. Yet another first, Johnny. That's Yet right. another first in 1972. In January, we've already had a first with African-American players in Alabama in the national championship game. We've had a first with the Dallas Cowboys finally winning a Super Bowl. We have we have some first with the Bruins coming up later. But now we have this first as well with Shirley Ch- Chisholm. And then following that, and this is uh, one of the major tragedies. This was Bloody Sunday in uh, Northern Ireland. Yeah. Uh, claimed a lot of lives. It was the British soldiers just, you know, opening opening up fire on uh, these protesters who they claimed at the time, which is mm-hmm. why they were acquitted, that they were armed and they were, you know, their lives were in danger. And of course, you know, upon further investigation, they weren't armed. Right. You know, and uh, th- this really was the the crux of the IRA and the the British terrorism campaign back and forth uh what do they call it the troubled time the troubles the troubles just the troubles yeah well and i think it's interesting too because i always bring this up when people start uh um you know getting into their uh, anti-islam stuff and saying you know well you know they're pointing out they're extremists in every religion and they're always like well yeah but they they don't resort to violence and i was like you ever you ever do your homework on northern ireland because that's what it came down to was Protestants and Catholics there. Uh, yeah. And thankfully, yeah. they were able yeah. to get their way around it. But this is Sunday, Bloody Sunday for you two fans. This is yeah. what it's referring to. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. All right. We're done with January. A lot of firsts in January. We're moving on. And we're going back to the NFL, of course, because they're never out of the spotlight too Dude. long. <laughs> Even back in 1972. And you know what I figured, Johnny, is that we never... I didn't do the draft in '68, and and uh, I know in '41 it doesn't wrap. But I thought let's let's do what 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 was the draft like in 1972? Ooh. Well, All right. there was only wow. one Hall of Famer picked. And that was Franco. Wow, Ooh. only Hall of Famer pick. I yeah, Cliff Branch not in. Brian Sipe, two of the other the other two players. Two, two of the really good players. Yeah, really good players. Leroy Kelly, I think, was in that, and uh, terrific player. And uh, Willie Buchanan was in that. Some some great players. Let me. Uh, I'll, I'll give you some of the other names. Ahmad Rashad. You know uh, Reggie McKenzie. Oh my goodness! Ly- goodness. I- I'm sorry, Lydell Mitchell, Jeff Seaman, mm-hmm. Lawrence McCutcheon. These are good players. Very yeah, good they players. are pro bowlers. Yeah, but uh, the only Hall of Famer was uh, uh, Franco Harris. And um, it's interesting because that '72 and '77 are the only years, Johnny, that. Only one Hall of Famer is picked from the class. Every other year in the 1970s, at least two, and oftentimes four or five. Right. Oftentimes four or five. And uh, so that's pretty interesting that that was the draft. Franco Harris, number 13 overall in the first well, round. Probably probably more than anything due to the fact that Harris gets there and they become so dominant that nobody from any other teams were thought of. There you you know, go. They win four in five years. Excuse me, in four in six years. Uh, they are the team of the decade, obviously. So, uh, yeah, Franco keeping everybody else out of the Hall of Fame. 
All right, so we're moving on to February 8th now. And uh, on February 8th in Major League Baseball, we're going to move sports as well. You have Josh Leonard. I'm sorry, Josh, Josh Gibson. Uh, Gibson and Buck Leonard, not Buck Gibson and Josh Leonard. No, Josh Two Gibson, different Buck people Leonard. than I went to college with. Indeed, selected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, the year before, Bowie Kuhn, to his credit, had said that the uh, athletes from the Negro Leagues uh, need to be in the Hall of Fame. But the way he said it, see, he could never do anything good without no. stepping over himself. Bowie, right. well, yeah. And um, and so when he made this big announcement in 1971, he said that former Negro League players would have a separate wing in the Hall yep. of Fame. Yep. And clearly, there's a there is a back fa- then, there's a yeah. Family Guy flashback that happens right now. If we had that kind of money, that would and, and you could only imagine what the wing would look like. You know, it would be like Uncle Remus coming out of it if it were Bowie Kuhn's mind, for God's sake. Good Lord. I always remember Bowie Kuhn. Do you remember Bowie Kuhn back when um, uh, the uh, the reserve clause thing was going on and the court case went in, in their way? And there's an interview with Bowie Kuhn that says, well, we, you know, we never forget the important place the player uh, makes up in the game. And I'm thinking the whole fucking thing, Bowie. You know, we never we never forget the players' point, but yeah. we think if we just built the stadium and sold dogs and beers, people would show. Maybe not all of them. Yeah, please, Jack. No, it's amazing. It's amazing because you know people finally said, "Um, hang on, Bowie. This this <laughs> separate but equal Jim Crow thing, right? That you're right. Proposing. Right. So you know, as long and, as they go in a different door, I'm fine with it. And that's what Satchel Paige said. He said, yeah. I'm just as good as the white boys. I ain't going in the back door of the Hall of Fame. He was right. He was right. Of course he, he was. He was absolutely right. And I apologize if that was too cultural appropriating of me in that moment. But uh, no, he was, uh, yeah, I, he tried to do the right thing. Well, he, you know, he was, but, yeah. you know, yeah, that he tried to do the right thing. Bear Bryant waited till 1971 to yeah 71 to get these people to going. All right, yeah. so we're we're gonna All stick right. to baseball. And on the twenty the same month, February 25th, uh, Steve Carlton was traded for Rick Wise. <laughs> now Rick Wise had a pretty good career. Not a bad player. Played over a decade, I believe. Rick Wise. Well, yeah, as, he as was a contributing uh, guy. A couple times. Uh, All star. Played well in the seventy for the seventy five Red Sox. Got him to the World Series. Pitched well in the uh, yeah. in the uh, playoffs and uh, didn't pitch well. Got torched in the World Series. But you know what he wasn't though, Mark. You know what he wasn't. Steve Carlton, Carlton. (laughs) who, oh, by the way, this year, and we'll get into this later on in part three, but uh, he wins 27 games and and, and the Phillies win 59. That's the year. Yes, it's the great. That's the year. It really. That's the year. So so good job, Philadelphia Phillies, making that trade. Outstanding work. The the Los Angeles Lakers won more games in a row than the rest of the Phillies pitching staff. They won 32 and the Lakers won 33 in a row. That should just give you an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. There. Remarkable, it unbelievable, really unbelievable, remarkable dominance in a year right. where they were one of the worst teams, not just in 1972, but right. ever. And well, he and I think 27 almost wins half their games. It's and I think to your point, we often bring up, and we brought us up during 41. You know, the the records that'll never be broken, and a starting pitcher winning what 45 percent of his team's games will never happen again. That will never that happen. Will never. There's no chance unless there. it's a shortened season. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> 
Exactly. Yeah, we'll see. That might have happened sometime this year. Who knows what it was? Yeah. Hank Aaron also became the first player to get two hundred thousand dollars in a year. Believe it or not, in nineteen seventy-two, things were changing. So this was the first. This was a first for him as well, uh, and the first for Major League Baseball. Two hundred thousand uh, dollars a year, and um, six hundred thousand uh, over three years, which is I, I think about three point seven million. Could Still, peanuts. Could could you imagine? What Sean Hannity would have reacted to that with if that had happened? Could you imagine just the whining and the crying? Good Lord! No, I know he he might actually come to the defense of teachers. <laughs> they are making look what they're doing for our kids, and this well-tanned athlete <laughs> who really hasn't worked hard for any has natural ability because well, you know what happened. Ask Jimmy the Greek. I mean, yeah. you know, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, you know, nothing's changed. No. Nothing's changed. In Things terms don't change. Of, uh, in, yeah. Nothing in, new under the sun. That's true. That's true. All right. So we're going to switch sports, but we're going to stay in February now. And the Winter Olympics are held in Japan from the 3rd to the 13th in uh, in Japan. It's the first time, by the way, first time that they're held in Japan. First time, in other words, that the Winter Olympics have not been in North America or Europe. So right. that's a first, first as well. Asian uh, Winter Olympics. And uh, the Canadian team decides to boycott because they are not allowed to use NHL players. And they think it's unfair because clearly Eastern European players and the USSR are able to do that. Now, the USSR and the European players are able to tell, are able to, you know, work the system, if you will, and they're the say army. they're amateurs because they're working for the government. They're in the army. And basically the red, right. they're called the red army team. They put them they in are the, the army. red army team. That's that. And left. they had uniforms and they, but they had nothing. And so they were paid their army army salary to play hockey. Yeah. I mean, it was yep. a nice way around it. I, I, I did not know this. You've, you've now educated me on something. I did not know this. And I'm a little disappointed. The Canadians whining about it at this point. Cause you know, I thought it was better when there weren't professional players playing against those Soviet teams. That's what made the upsets what they were. Right. That's what made the upsets. As a matter of fact, there was an upset this year. The U.S. team was not considered uh, a favorite at all to do anything. They were maybe considered uh, to finish fifth or sixth in uh, in the tournament, and they ended up finishing second. So they call that sort of the minor miracle on ice yeah. in 1972. As a matter of fact, Canada didn't even go back in 1976. That's how pissed off they were. Wow. At not being able to use uh, NHL. And also, you know, Canada versus Russia this year. They, 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 there was a big game, a big hockey game as well, and they Canada was just kind of losing all kinds of momentum in terms of being the country that ice hockey. You know, this is the country for ice hockey. You know, the rest of the world had caught up to them, yeah. and they were upset. So they boycotted seventy-two and seventy-six winter. Started Olympics. producing a lot of great comedians and actors, though, at this point in time. So the hockey players apparently they decided to move on to stage and screen. They did, and good for them. Yep. In February, John, how many games did the Bruins lose in February? One. They lost one game. Nice work. Johnny learns. One game. Yes, he does. He does. All right, so let's do, uh, let's do a few current events in February as well. And this is a biggie. You know what's coming up here uh, for our current events. Richard Nixon going to China. Remember it, remember it vividly. I do, too. And it was uh, the 21st through the 28th. Unprecedented, as we know, first time. It's a lot of first. We're already in February. We're already got a half a dozen firsts. It feels Unbelievable. Like. 
U.S. president, rich, unprecedented eight-day trip, never happened before with a U.S. president, visits Mao Zedong, and, uh, you know, they do their thing. They have dinner. I believe that's Cho En Lai with him uh, on, on the top there, which was like the next guy in charge. I think Cho En Lai, which when I was a kid, I thought his name was Joanne Lai, because uh, when he would talk about it, but he was he was like the prime minister, whereas uh, Mao was like the godhead over there. But uh, I, yeah, I remember I remember it vividly. Again, uh, it was all, all over television. <laughs> you see Taylor's comment. Johnny learns. Johnny does learn. I've, I have the comments, dude. I've got that on big screen. I didn't need to do that. Johnny does learn from time to time. Johnny does learn. So that's a big deal. And uh, all right. So now we're into March. We're into March. We're halfway through part one of 1972 all kinds of firsts and we have another first coming up in march johnny and it's the first time that uh baseball's reserve clause is argued before the supreme court uh in terms of whether or not they should keep their antitrust exemption remember right. in 1922 it was argued and that's when the supreme court said they should have an antitrust exemption. Let me give you the the name of that case, which is hilarious. Federal Baseball Club versus National League. Okay. It just sounds so yeah. completely targeted against, you know, the players just by the name of oh, the of course case. It is. Yeah. Is that so Arthur any, Goldberg? Is that Arthur Goldberg who's arguing? That was this? Arthur Goldberg attacks yeah. the reserve clause, Johnny. Former Here's member Kurt of the Flood. Yeah, deep dive. There could be a six-part episode on on and Kurt Flood. We have a great documentary on him. And there's Bowie Kuhn, who was a, a very competent lawyer in his own right, decided not to argue the case. But the arguments were made today, uh, or on March 20th, and on June 19th, the decision was made. So that's part two of 1972. So you want to stay tuned for part two of the 1972 deep dive. That's what they that's what they call a tease, Johnny. All right. Fair enough. You know, I thought we would. I thought we'd get through March because I was all worked up for the uh, seventy-two NCAA basketball tournament. We're going I, to. I did some. I, I did some homework, and here's a little more of the tease. I looked at some of the coaches of the teams in seventy-two. Ooh, nice. And there are there are some very very surprising names in there. Well, that's going to be fun because. You know what? That's the next thing in March that we get to. This was March 20th. The very next thing is March 25th, which is the NCAA championship where the Bruins go on to beat. Uh, they beat Florida State. And Florida State of the Bruins run, their immaculate run, this yep. Florida State team, which comes out of nowhere in very surprising uh, manner, um, they actually – Give them a game. Gave them the best game that they'd had throughout that tournament. That that was the fewest number of points that they'd won in a national championship. They were 30-0 and 0 that year, UCLA. Yeah. The average score, and, and, and people that don't like numbers, people that don't understand statistics, you will get this. 95 to 64 is the average score for 30 games. That is remarkable dominance. It really is. And really Florida State got within five points in the game. It was 81-76. Yeah. This had Bill Walton was a sophomore, Johnny. Jamal Wilkes was a sophomore. Henry Bibby was a senior on this team. Yep. And this was their – they had lost uh, the year before to Notre Dame. Um, they ended the streak. 
Well, no, there was there was a there was there was. Oh no, no, that was later. That was that was later. Yes, exactly. This was actually this was their forty fifth consecutive win. I see. Okay, they went thirty zero this year. They would go thirty zero in nineteen seventy three to seventy five. They'd win their first thirteen games in seventy four to go eighty eight, and and of course, then again, the Irish beat them by one point. Digger Phelps in nineteen seventy four, which is uh, remarkable. So yeah, this is their forty fifth consecutive win. This is their sixth consecutive national championship. (laughs) I mean, talk about things that will never happen again. No, no, it it's. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. Now, I mean, there you can certainly look in the rearview mirror and see they had a they had a few things going their way that would be frowned upon today. Um, the coach Wooden was never caught up in it, but but they had some they had some alumni and people who were uh, helping players out, shall we say? But I mean, how much of that did you really have to do? Because if you're a five-star recruit coming out of high school in the late 60s into the early 70s, where, I mean, what what other school would you choose if they offered you a scholarship? You know, that's the Plus, thing. a lot of these kids are coming out of the projects, are coming out of uh, yeah. dire po- poverty situations, and they need to yeah. have maybe every, you know, one night a month a pizza night yeah. to have some sort of semblance of a college experience. Well, and, and again, there's a, there's a great yeah, right. documentary on it, but you know, their you know, their parents are going to have the electricity cut off. I mean, there are all kinds of things that were going exactly, on. Dude, but, exactly. Dude. Uh, exactly. I mean, but again, yeah, I, I, I think to argue that the, the talent wouldn't have come to UCLA. Of course they were. It's like Alabama. Now everybody talks about how hard it is for uh, Nick Saban to recruit. I don't think Nick Saban has to. I, I mean, I know he oh, are does. You kidding, but how much does he really have to do versus the head coach at Wyoming? For the love of God, first the of all, head, you, you got to be coach anywhere but Wyoming. The head coach in Kentucky in the same conference. Yeah, crying exactly. Out loud. Exactly. You know, a major Division One SEC school. Right. Uh, you know, the the gulf between that and Alabama is is. And it was the yeah. same for UCLA. It was exactly. But still, John, it's still and they still had to win four games in the tournament. It it hadn't expanded quite as large as it is now, but still six in a row, six in a row. Yeah. And they won a seventh in 73. They lost in 74 and then they won again in 75 before wouldn't retired. But so tell me some of the other coaches in the tournament that year. Uh, Yeah, it was so great. I started I just looked through the brackets and I started in the East region. Um, and, uh, of course, North Carolina, Dean Smith was at North Carolina at that time. Uh, the Penn Quakers, Mark, the Penn Quakers had a coach who's a future multiple NBA championship coach, Chuck Daly coaching the Penn Quakers at that point in time. Now, Frank McGuire, uh, for those of you who don't know as much about uh, uh, college basketball, he was Mike Krzyzewski before Mike Krzyzewski. He was there with Duke in the 60s when Duke was a dominant team and then they fell off after McGuire left because he had some issue with the, uh, with the uh, uh, other people running the school and he ended up at South Carolina. So he's there as well. Um, uh, The Florida state head coach was Hugh Durham, which I didn't realize Um, when I went to Florida in the eighties, Hugh Durham was at Georgia. He's excellent college basketball coach at Georgia. Uh, Adolph Rupp was still in Kentucky. Unhappy, I'm sure, about the uh, forward-moving social justice. Uh, Marquette had uh, the great Al McGuire, who in five years is going to win a national yep, championship. That's true. Love Al McGuire. Bill Musselman is at Minnesota. Many coaches will reach out. Musselman, maybe oh, yeah. not a 
not a, a, a no, I remember him. A name that everybody remembers. <laughs> this is the one. That, oh, Denny Crum was at Louisville. I thought I didn't know Denny came that early. Actually, that wow. surprised me. Um, but at, um, at at Houston, it just it it Guy Lewis was at Houston already, and Guy Lewis is the head coach for Phi Slamma Jamma. Coming up, you know, eleven years later, he's still there. Nobody stays eleven years. And uh, at Long Beach State. There was a young towel chewing uh, guy coaching that team. Jerry Tarkanian wow. was at Long Beach State at that time. Love so that. just look through at those coaching things. That is that is uh, so much fun to do. But when I saw Chuck Daly was head coach of the Penn Quakers, yeah, uh, unbelievable. Just, yeah, yeah, it's just amazing. All right, so now we're going to current events. Uh, Adolf Rupp not happy with the social justice of the day. Well, on March third, on March third of nineteen seventy two, guess what happens? That's right. Stone Mountain carved. Was this honoring the Confederacy at the time? You know, a few years after the ignominious defeat, you know, this this complete beatdown. Did they come out in the 1860s or the 1870s with a memorial? No, it's 1972, well over 100 years later. For strictly intimidation purposes, sculpted figures of Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee, and Stonewall Jackson. I'm back. Uh, are completed at Stone Mountain. I'm glad you are back because do you see what we're doing right now? Yeah, that's got some Borglums uh, carving on Stone Mountain. That's Stone Mountain, Johnny. Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson completed March 3rd of 1972. I was telling the folks that is it a Confederate memorial for folks that, had, you know, just suffered an ignominious defeat, a horrible beatdown, a classic beatdown, maybe in the late 1860s, maybe early 1870s, you know, to honor family members and 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 the, the pride that they had that they don't have anymore. no. No, it's over a hundred years later. Yeah. And it's strictly done for intimidation purposes. Jefferson Davis, really, the head of the government that took up arms against the flag, the flag, yeah. no one wants burned. Robert E. Lee, the general, and Stonewall Jackson, who couldn't even, you know, get out of the way of his own men. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about that is a guy who follows the Civil War. I is know. that it, one of the ways you would know that that didn't happen immediately following the Civil War was the inclusion of Jefferson Davis, because one of the things that happened uh, pro after that war was because of the military history in the South. And they sent, you know, it was it, there was a much uh, uh, richer military history for Southerners, you know, rich Southerners, second sons, were always the ones. First sons would take over the family business, which is enslaving people, and then the the second son would uh, would go on to a military school, and that was kind of the, the way that society worked. So at the end of the war, um, they they couldn't blame the generals, so they had to blame the politicians. So Jefferson Davis was not well thought of throughout the South up to that point, but then the lost cause narrative, you know, catches effect, and then it was just all uh, well, it's because we didn't have enough people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, all right. So there it is. Uh, on the fifteenth, the Godfather premieres. It's a nice little bit of cultural history right there. Nineteen seventy-two was a first in a lot of ways. Wouldn't you agree, John? In terms of cinema, yeah, uh, I, yeah. A, a major first. 
Absolutely. And uh, the studios pushed back the entire time. They saw the brushes with what Brando was doing and uh, they didn't like Pacino. And uh, there was a lot of pushback on that movie. A lot of pushback. On on March 22nd, the 92nd U.S. Congress votes to send the proposed Equal Rights Amendment to states for verification, Johnny. So that means that means <laughs> two thirds of the Congress and two thirds of the Senate yeah. ratified this baby. Mm -hmm. Two thirds. Yep. That's not 60. Right. OK, that's right. more than that. It is two thirds of the of the Congress, two thirds. Now, granted, everything was Democratic back then in, in, in a pretty major way. But still, sure was. that that that's that's a 66 percent of 66.6 percent of the uh, of the Congress and the Senate had to ratify it. They sent it to the states and a lot of them ratified it. And then it just stalled. It just yeah. stalled like in the early 80s. And uh, apparently it's getting some life now, but mm. boy, oh boy, I don't know what, I don't know what the problem, what, what what's the, the problem with 80s, that? The early 80s. Yeah. How about Seems that, like, Johnny? Mm, I don't, gosh. Yeah. What's the some denominator? Of the people, hmm. people who, who don't have access to economic growth. Yeah. And hang on. But prior to that, the middle class was sort of progressing at the same rate as and then the it just upper kind of stopped for and then there was this huge division that started when, when that's division started what january of 81 ish yeah, yeah, maybe towards the end of the month third week of january 19 third week 81 could be around the time that iran hostages would let go um yeah, something like that anyway so, it's interesting history how about that so fingers crossed we'll get it passed you know in the uh who knows yeah we're ready to go to april johnny we're ready to go to April. We're back to baseball now. Yay, we're going to start the season. It's baseball. Hope springs eternal. No. <laughs> the first strike ever. The first Major League Baseball strike ever. There's Marvin Miller in the and uh, lower right. Apparently corner. Marvin Hamlish over his left shoulder, oddly. <laughs> Not really sure. Where he'd, like written the official, he'd written the official strike song for the union. That Marvin actually Hamlish. is Joe Torre next to him. You see him? It is That's Joe Torre. Joe Torre. Yes, it is. That? And I think that's Jerry. Is that Jerry Kuzman? Maybe uh, it could be closest to us. And that's a that's a, that's a very young uh, that's a very young Riley Claremont there on the left. <laughs> very sad that baseball hasn't come really? back in 1972. Yeah. And uh, Berenger, Pena, Wills. I don't even know Point what team Wilhelm? that is. Good Lord. Good Lord. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Anyway, 1972, first time that happened. Uh, and they were they were arguing about pensions. They were arguing mm -hmm. about arbitration, and they were able to settle it after about ten. Uh, actually, it was between six and nine games that were lost. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody lost the same number of games, which I no, guess in baseball that, makes more sense. But yeah, and that was a problem though because at the end of the year, Detroit, who had played more games than Boston, won the division by a half a game. Wow. I mean, because the owner said, no, we're not going to give you the money for the time you, you struck. Of course, but of course, of not. course, of course not. But they were able to uh, they were able to kind of get some arbitration going their way, the players, mm -hmm. and they got some pension. So you get you get a, you get a Hank Aaron in 72 with 200,000. You get a little bit further down the road with arbitration and pension and, and you get the argument before the Supreme Court. And we will tell you what happened in June. I mean, we will tell you that in part two. Uh, but believe it or not, that court case led to everything else in the future, even though uh, well, if, we'll, we'll see. We won't we won't we won't talk about it. You want to stay tuned yeah. for part two 
1972 to see what happens. But that's April 1st uh, is when that strike commences. Six to nine games be- uh, for each team. They, they did, that wasn't the same amount of games. It's hilarious. How many third-rate sports writers throughout the country uh, for their uh, April 2nd headline referenced you know, hey, we're going to play a whole season. <laughs> April Fools. How many? How many do you think? I mean, I think it's like every third crap sports writer in America. Yeah, used that. You're pretty generous there. I would go two thirds actually. <laughs> right, fair enough. Because they're yeah, they're they're just eating the ham sandwiches and the hot dogs oh and God. the coleslaw. And hey, anybody going to eat this sandwich in the trash? Have at it. <laughs> right. Oh, no sports yeah. baseball writers are are <laughs> are the worst. We've talked about this, and we will never not talk about this oh i know it's it's the truth all right so we're back to the nba it's april it's the 9th to the 22nd it's the western conference finals i alluded to earlier and it's a classic matchup johnny because it's kareem against wilt chamberlain Mm -hmm. now kareem's the mvp this year and it's wilt chamberlain who's having a great year jerry west oscar robertson it's it's a classic matchup it goes six games um, and the Lakers win, but they lost the first game. Like I yeah. said, it's it's easy to lose focus yeah. in the course of a season that if you count the playoffs last well over 100 games, and yet for 33 games, they didn't do that. But it was a classic between the old and the new, between yeah. the up and coming and uh, the old guard. And sure enough, Jabbar completely took that mantle and ran with it. There's yeah. no doubt about it. In terms of the top five players of all time, I would say both Chamberlain and Jabbar are in there. Which yeah, I mean, funny. I think that was just a case that year of uh, Jabbar was a great, great player and, pro- and you know, probably the most talented player not named Jerry West on that court. And you can argue that they're both, you know, equally talented. But the Lakers are just a better team than Milwaukee. Yeah, they There's were more good players. To your point, Elgin Baylor is is losing playing time, for God's sake. Yeah, he team. didn't. I didn't you know. think he played at all uh, from the end of October through the rest of the season. Really, and not at all. Didn't get any no, not at all. I don't wow. think so. And uh, Jabbar and those Bucks were the defending world champions as yeah. well. So, so this is it's pretty fun stuff. This is when Milwaukee was in the West. So uh, we're going to keep going uh, in April, and we're back to hockey. We're back to the Bruins and Bobby Orr. So this is what Bobby Orr. We we, we uh, the finals are in May, John. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup Finals in part two of 1972. But to get here, the quarters and the semis uh, that took the, the Bruins nine games, okay? And Bobby Orr, a defenseman, a defenseman has 16 points in those nine games. Essentially two points a game through the course of, of, uh, of those two series. And uh, he's on his way to achieving another huge first that we'll yeah. get to in part two. No doubt about it. All right. April's pretty fun month in 1972. You know what happens in Augusta? I don't know if you know this. I think you do. I do. Yeah, of course. Jack Nicklaus. There he is. Jack Nicklaus. He wins the Masters uh, again. This is his his 10th major Mm -hmm. overall. Now, it's his 12th if you count the uh, U.S. Amateur. The Amateurs. Exactly. They used to, but they don't. Which they used to back in the day. And it's his fourth Masters overall. And he shoots a 286, wins by three strokes. Uh, I believe it was wire-to-wire win for Jack Nicklaus. And I think, uh, speaking of amateurs, I think Ben Crenshaw was your low amateur that year in that. uh, that Love that. He he makes his debut onto the stage in Augusta in 72. Yeah. I remember this. I remember this. I do, too. I remember it very well. 
And and that this is all this is all you coming on. This is this is your first blush of sports. Everything's yeah. a first for John Pelkey. Yeah, it really is. Really is. I mean, yeah. How perfect is that? It's a year of firsts, and everything was a first for John in that. That's so true, yeah, Johnny. In we watched we watched the majors. That was big in my house, and we had Jack Nicholas fans. So not as big as Arnie. They were bigger Arnie fans, but at this point, Arnie. I think Arnie gets uh, gets a good round in in seventy three. Uh, coming up, Arnold Palmer has one of those, you know, 40-somethings who go out and have the the round, and we're all like, ooh, we can just hope. Uh, but uh, Jack Nicholas, certainly, he was must-see must viewing long before uh, anybody it's, it's else. It's interesting because, you know, I would go and visit my grandparents a lot, and my gramps really was the influence in my life, for the most part, that got me into sports. Uh-huh. Uh, my dad brought me to my first baseball game. I think it was 69 with my mistake Expos. It might have been because they were an expansion team. They Who weren't the even supposed are we? to be there. What the- they weren't even supposed to be there. Right, right. But I was brought to a lot of games in 71, first playoff game against the Pirates for my birthday. He, he, he got me a uh, you know, he got me a seat at Candlestick Park. He uh, got me a seat. I think I've told you this at Keysar Stadium for the last game played there, which was the championship game between the Cowboys and the 49ers in 1970. Right. I got that. He he was a major influence. And there would be Sundays where we would watch the final round of, mm-hmm. of Majors at his house. And he loved Arnie. Yeah. You know, I mean, in 1960. Yeah, 1960, Gramps is 51 years old. So by 66, 67, you know, he's his mid-50s. Arnie's his guy. Of course. Jack yeah. is the up-and-comer who's yeah. not well-liked, at least in in the Miller household. Right. And, and he's not liked a lot of places because he's, he took over for Arnie. Exactly. And I didn't like him either. I was always rooting for Ar- Arnold Palmer, and I was never rooting for Jack Nichols. And uh, I can remember that. But by But by that point... You know, it was so obvious that Jack Nicholas was the guy and was amazing. And he would have a, a very good year in 1972, you know, a, among a lot of great years. Actually, it was a bit of a comeback for him. He kind of had a career slump a little bit in the late 60s, early 70s. And this is a year where he kind of comes back. So it's number nine and 72, you know, and I know where where this is headed uh, with this. And uh, the winners of all the majors, um, no matter how many there are, hint, hint, uh, it, all fun names. And all guys you could talk about for the, I can't wait, and I can't wait in part talk two about to talk any about any of those guys for the full length of a of a of a deep dive. no doubt about it. And Amazing. there's a first that Jack Nicholson achieves uh, his next major that we will talk about in part two. Another first. There's a lot of firsts, and there's plenty of firsts coming up in part two. You want to stay tuned for that, <laughs> folks out there. Who do we do we even know when to tell them that? All is right. that we're going to wrap it up with this in April. I don't know. Next Wednesday. What the hell? Okay. All right. I just, I wasn't or, sure. I didn't, you're right. I didn't Good know. call, Johnny. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds fine. fine with that. I, I'm not sure either. I'm not All sure right. either. Fair enough. Yeah, me too. Stay tuned to all the shows from we now on. We have to have a show on. Monday, obviously, talking yeah. about the Super Bowl. Yeah, of course. Yes. Just stay on, folks. At some, at point, some point, folks, this is a, we've only done 116 episodes. At yeah. some point, we will get our shit together. At some point, why we would, would Why would we want that? Why would anyone want that? Right. Right. Why, right. why would anyone want that? Right. Exactly. All right. So this is the last bit for part one of 1972, a year first. Well, there's another first coming up as we end our episode. First year, the Boston Marathon, Johnny, allowed women, officially allowed women to participate. 1972. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that? 
Yeah, there's that famous photo of the young uh, lady trying to run. Is this 71? No, this is 67. Is it that early? I can remember. She's trying to run in it, and they are uh, removing her. I think the guy. They're trying to, but they don't. Yeah, I think the guy. two officials, yeah, and then her teammates from Syracuse uh, take care of it and get them out of the way, and she's able to finish the race, believe it or not. But what what happened is this, is in 19, uh, b- before 72, right, women had been barred from the Boston Marathon. Right. But it didn't keep them from running. In 1966, this, this is great stuff. Roberta Gibb, okay, she hasn't registered. She hasn't done anything. She hides behind a bush, all right? She hides, hides behind a bush. Probably at Marvin. The, at the start of the Boston Marathon, and she sneaks onto the field and finishes the race like in yeah. about three hours, 20 minutes. So there's that argument. The following year, exactly. The following year, number 261, and that's the picture we're looking at, 261. The Boston Marathon was assigned to entrant. Her name is Catherine Switzer, but she registered as K.V. Switzer. K period, V period, Switzer. And then in lieu of, there was a pre-work race medical uh, examination, evidently, that they would have. So her coach took a health certificate to race officials and picked up the number himself. So they had no idea it was a woman. Wow. I just love that. Such a great story. Yeah. Not until two miles into the race did the officials realize that Switzer was a woman. And uh, she's from Syracuse University. So Will Cloney, the race director. That's him right in the jacket, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this Jock Semple is the other guy. These guys are idiots. Yeah, the guy in the jacket. And then there's another dude. See the guy in the hat down the the lower left? They're trying to get her off the course. Pretty sure that's Konstantin Chernyanko, actually. I'm I'm 100% sure it's Konstantin Chernyanko. And they tried to remove her from the course, but at the very least, John, they tried to remove her number. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine trying to grab someone's bib from them as they're running a female, by the way? Yeah. And well, she's 20 and you're like, you know, 87. Right. The, the, the thing is, Mark, it would be acceptable at that time for them to walk into a bar and grab a woman's number there, but it would not be acceptable for a woman to run. In the Boston Marathon. Yeah, just just idiotic. My question to you, Mark, is those that percentage of sports writers who uh, did the April Fool's joke. How many of them in the newspaper the next day uh, said something like uh, KV? What's the V stand for? Vagina? Because, you know, know, they probably couldn't say that, but they couldn't say that. But they would say, what does the V stand for? And just let it slide. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Well, what the good news is her Syracuse, she was a student at Syracuse, 20 years old. Her Syracuse teammates pushed those assholes off yeah, the course right and she was able to finish it uh as well and that was in 67 and and then because those pictures were published mm-hmm. people were outraged so it only took five years to change it right 
Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, hold so, on. So, you know, it's just and how by, it goes. And, and by the way, Mark, again, I, these, the these, arc of justice bends towards history, but very it bends slowly. towards commerce very for the love. Slowly. It, it bends towards commerce for the love well, of crap. And again, you know commerce, what? yeah, justice bends towards. Yeah, it does. You're right. Why, commerce bends wait towards a minute. justice. Wait a minute. We are ex- over 50 percent of people. We're not allowing them to sign up for this race. They probably got like 3,000 more people in the damn race after that. Now, I'm going to be in trouble by Dave McGilvery, who is the head of the uh, Boston Marathon or was yeah. the head of the, all the people I know in the running community because I don't know how many people run the Boston Marathon. I'm sorry. I don't know. Uh, and I don't know the answer to these questions. But, uh, yeah, it just seems, you know, and looking back at that, it seems so bizarre. And and again, I will stick with my um, with with my pronouncement, Mark, that if one of those guys had walked into a bar and grabbed a woman's breasts, he would be uh, he would be uh accepted more than a man who stood up and said i think women should be able to run in the in the boston marathon that's what those days were like what are you freak they can't do that it's good stuff i'm uh i'm uh happy that uh, there are people coming watching our show that don't know other people that are watching our show and yet are connecting we are a social media site john they are connecting with each other and enjoying each other and catching up with each other and and telling them how much of a fan they are or this or that. Well, so we, we, are, we are acting as a social media. So they're not watching the show. Right. They're not listening to what we have to say, but they are, but we are acting as a social media site. So what you're saying, Mark, is if you found yourself in some way denied access to a social media site, Hey, come on over. <laughs> come on by. <laughs> yes. Come on. We will be here for you. We'll host all you. of those folks that can't. We'll host you on. bigly. We'll host you bigly. We will. You've never seen anything like it, ladies never and gentlemen. Seen anything like there's it. There's never been anything like it at all. all people right, said I it couldn't to... be done, and we did it. I mean, and that's yeah, the they, thing. They, lots of people. Some lots people say people. it's the best it's ever been done. Some people, Some are, people are telling me that it's we we can't get any better than that. I don't know how Len Ellison knows Peter, Mom, but we'll find out at some point in time. So I want to say this. Uh, we've talked about first, Johnny, NCAA yeah. uh, football integration. We're talking about that. America's team, uh, the Cowboys. Uh, some winning streaks we've mentioned, but there will be more in parts two and three labor strife we've mentioned, but we will find the conclusion of that in part two MVP trifecta. We have not gotten to marathons. We got to media coverage firsts. We have not got to open championships. We have not gone to as well, obviously Olympic heights and depths as well as cold war challenges, all that to come in part two and three stay tuned for 1972 and that concludes that johnny and now we can banter after this if we want to at least promo Derek abbott coming up on friday uh, yeah we got Derek abbott coming up on friday and uh, mark that was very entertaining and i'm sorry if i i chimed in too much but if i started looking no, into this, no you were great you such were great. a great it's such a great year in sports and again certain things that i maybe the first things we talk about we we've talked about uh, that uh, that I have I remember firsthand since most of the things we did were you know prior to the Benjamin Harrison uh, <laughs> <Exactly>. administration. Um, but uh, the one thing that I think is funny in sports today, the thing that struck me was uh, now the rumor of Andrew Luck coming back in in the in the quarterback carousel. Everyone had everyone had spun the wheel and had sent Deshaun Watson to every team and every possible thing. So we needed something else to jump back in and it's that Andrew Luck considering uh, unretiring now that the now that 
the Colts have a championship caliber defense. Sure. I like that. And I like the fact that Derek Carr is now up for grabs, supposedly. So now Oakland could be in the running for Deshaun Watson as well. This is going to be a lot of fun. Right. And if we'll anybody to talk about Johnny uh, if, in between our deep dives, if anybody would go full, full on Jerry Burns and uh, and literally trade everything, uh, it, Derek Carr, um, anyone else that plays for the team, the buffet at the Bellagio, Lake Mead, uh, John Gruden would be the guy to get Deshaun Watson because what everybody says about John Gruden, Mark, I know you've heard this as well, is that he spends most of the time on the sidelines looking over at the other team going, man, if I had them, boy, I'd really be winning big. And he's constantly I'm unhappy. sorry, that would be a great story. That would be a great story. If, Derek Carr, yeah. If, if uh, Deshaun Watson ends up in Vegas. Personally. And Derek I, Carr. Ends up back where his brother yep, basically exactly. paid the price for being paid, the, paid the, the starting quarterback for an expansion for Angel. Price paid paid a lot of people's prices. Yeah, yes, he sure did. Paid. All yeah. right, so there we go. We got Derek Abbott on Friday. Apparently, he's had uh, an epic fight with his dad, which we can't wait to talk about. Let me see no, if I can. Nice. Pull, yeah, let me see if I can pull up the the. Uh, okay, so it's going to be a fun show. The week long war, war, not just a fight, a war. Uh, that he's had with his father doesn't even call him his dad calls him his father mm -hmm. about the team about team building with the rams and lions and whether passing the ball is more important than running <laughs> ooh, ooh. you can imagine and i i said we should get we should get keep on as a point counterpoint that is a uh, listen I, I you know again when when this happened when that <laughs> trade happened it i was as excited as i could be because this is something we could talk about you know, we'll be talking about until the end of next season and beyond. Did, did they give too much? Was this is this a smart thing? Is you know, golf be the quarterback? It's just it's just a great story. And now now that we know Andrew Luck is coming back to the Colts, uh, it just it just gets better and better. I love it. We can get in the middle of the war. Yeah, he says uh, his dad hates Benny Snell, but wants the Steelers to run the ball more. Because that's who the Steelers are, a power football team. Okay. Well, again, there's plenty right. of problems with the way progressives think, John. Uh, you know, yeah. I can go on and on. Yeah. But, you know, the way conservatives think, yeah. and I'm just I'm I'm giving equal time here. You know, if if you if you if you can't let go of something mm. that isn't the hasn't been the case for 15 years since Ben Roethlisberger got there, basically, uh, that's pretty funny. And I feel yeah. bad for you. I well, really do. Hey, hey, Dave. How's the new car? The Lexus? Eh, it's okay. Oh, just okay. Yeah, man, it ain't my 74 Plymouth Fury. That was a that was a car. That's what you get a lot of. We're a power, we're a power running team. By the way, like two-thirds of the people on that power running team, dead. So can we no can doubt. we move on? It's generationally. Yeah. We're multi-generations away. From we will. That. That's who they are, though, John. That's who That's they are. That's who they have to be. None of the circus can't come to town here. We're blue-collar people. All right, folks. We are going to uh, exit now. We'll be back on Friday with Derek Abbott previewing the Super Bowl uh, for John Pelkey and Jeff Taylor. I'm Mark Ferrer. There is no sign of Jeff Taylor, so hopefully this broadcast will end. If not, it's, at some point in time, it will run out of steam two, three hours from now. Well, I'm gonna be yeah. I'm gonna be doing my yoga behind me soon, so let's hope the camera turns off. Soon. That does it. That does it for us. Thank you for checking it out, folks, and we'll talk to you in a couple of days. Bye.